0: Here we go. Actually, I'm just verse 21. Here it goes. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Nothing like a good I told you so, as you're given a word from the Lord, <laughs> and not have sailed from Crete and incurred these disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. I feel like Paul's like your parents sometimes where they're like whooping you and encouraging you at the same time. You know you did wrong, but take heart. (laughs) We're only gonna lose the ship. Verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. I don't know why I see shade in all of scripture. Paul was making it clear. I belong to God, not you heathens, but I, the God I belong to whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. Here you go. You must. And that's the phrase. You must be brought before Caesar and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment that we have. God, we're gathered literally all over this country in living rooms and cars. And right now in this moment, and God, your ear you said wherever two or three are gathered in your name that's where you will be god i'm thankful that you're here to do miracles to heal to transform to speak god have your way speak through me In jesus name we pray amen and amen and amen all right so i i, I would say don't judge me but you're not going to judge me you probably have been in the same predicament as i was uh but all of high school uh, all of college and a few years After college, I drove not one car, but like probably three different cars through that period. But each of those cars were what they would call a character-building car. What is a character-building car? It's the type of car that builds your prayer life. Because every time you put the key, none of this keyless start button, none of this, you know, key fob. What's a key fob? No, you take that key, you put it in the lock. First of all, you hope it's not winter and your locks aren't frozen. Because then you got to go run in the house, get some hot water, pour it on the lock, but you didn't plan that into the margin that you don't have. But you put your key in the ignition, and before you turn, I don't care if you believe in tongues or not, you're praying in tongues. Lord, please let this engine crank, because it will not crank on every other Tuesday, Thursday and sometimes Fridays. <laughs> I, I, I was a whole grown man like probably last week before I learned that cars don't have all the lights on the dashboard. I just thought cars come with all the lights on the dashboard. I got more lights on my dashboard than are on my Christmas tree. But anyway, driving these what I would call character-building cars, faith-building cars, it would be uh, not a normal occurrence, but probably you know three, four times every summer here in Maryland we'd have like these flash storms. And I know they have them in Florida where it's like raining here and it's not raining like four feet down the street. But in Maryland, there'd be these flash storms I mean torrential rains, flooding on some of the streets or whatever it may be. And I used to drive for a living for the company that I worked for. And every time one of these flash storms would hit, I would look for a bridge and I would pull over on the side of the road and wait the 10 minutes for the storm to pass. Why would I do that? Because my tires were bald. Now. If I was a race car driver, they'd be called racing slicks, but I was not a race car driver. I was a kid in a Camry with bald tires. My tires were bald, my brakes were bad, and my windshield wipers, what windshield wipers? They were sticks that were coming out of my windshield, but they were not windshield wipers. And I would watch the cars flying by me in these storms and completely confused, literally thinking they don't care about their lives. The only reason they have not pulled over is because they do not value their own lives. It's not until I purchased a car uh, that was not new but had a little bit of tread on the tires and actually had windshield wipers. And that first storm hit, and I'm going to pull over, and I'm not feeling the normal skid that I normally feel. Uh, You you know how when you're at the red light, and you hit the gas, and the tires spin for it? It actually started moving forward the second I hit the gas. And it dawned on me that the issue was never the storm. The issue was always the car that I was driving. And there are certain cars that can drive through the storm and don't have to stop or pause and be stuck in it. Not talking to you, just talking to me. I spent a lot of time praying, God, remove this storm. God, get this storm out of my way. God, how long until you fix this storm? And it's dawned on me that maybe there are certain storms that God doesn't have to move because I can move through it. There are certain storms that may not necessarily need to blow by. As long as I keep on moving forward, I will bypass the season. In Acts chapter 27, we come across Paul in the storm of his life on the verge of a shipwreck. Paul was heading to where he wanted to go. He was on his way to Rome, but not the way he wanted to get there. He was on his way to Rome as a prisoner, getting ready to preach the gospel, but not in the circumstances that he you know, sometimes God will take you where you need to go. And the vehicle that he uses to get you there will not be your vehicle of preference. And we have to trust God enough to know that he's going to get us there how he gets us there. And it's not our job to pick and choose. No, 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 no. I want you to take me. No, no, no. I don't want to go through a storm. No, no, let God take you where he's going to take you, how he's going to take you. Here's Paul in the middle of this storm. Literally to the point where it appears that the ship is about to sink. Everything is going to be lost. And Paul has one of the greatest encounters of his life where an angel of God visits him on that boat and gives him peace and gives him direction. I want to talk about how do I get through. Not, not Yes, we serve a God that quiet storms. We serve a God that speaks to a storm and says, peace be still. But not every storm God was in, he quieted. Some storms God's going to quiet, and some storms God will quiet you in the midst of the storm. I don't know what storm you're facing. I don't even know if there's a storm that you're in right now, but here's what I do know, that there are storms ahead of you. Some messages are, I just need to store this away because I'm in a storm right now, so this message is for me for today. But maybe you're just like, no, I'm gonna store this one away. But I wanna give you three thoughts of how do I get through the storms that God has? The first thing is this, write this down. It's time, it's time to lean in. When you run into a storm, your first response, your first thought, let me, let me, let me not be extra, your third response Third response. Okay, let's be real. First response, why me? That's first response. It's not fair. Actually, my first response is denial. This is not happening. This is not real. Why am I going through this? Why do I? So after denial, then there's the why me? (laughs) Then there's the God, where are you? So this is, I'm like four. So step number four, after you do all the flesh stuff, is to lean in. And just to be fair, the first thing Paul did was not to lean in. Like, the storm was going on for a number of days. And after it was clear that this storm wasn't going to pass, and it looked like the ship was about to sink. Here's what the Bible says. It says that that Paul began to abstain from food. That he began to fast. What was he doing? He was leaning into the presence of God. Because what Paul understood is my circumstance does not line up with what God promised me. I've got to figure out what's going on. It's kind of like you, you, you buy something from the store. I don't know. You get a speaker system or a television or whatever it may be, and you, you try to program it, you tie it, and when that doesn't happen, what do you do? You call customer service, and you said, it's not operating as advertised on the back of the box that I ordered. What's going on? Paul said, God, my life is not operating as advertised. What is going on? What is happening? We've got to learn how in the midst of a storm to lean into God, to figure out, God, what exactly is going on? Here's what Paul did. He stopped eating. Can can I get... that? that, Not one amen. Nobody like, no, that got got nothing to do with me. That's not... Oh, don't make me preach. If I'm not willing to inconvenience myself... The storm's probably not that bad. There's a difference between an inconvenience and I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one. And there's something about I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one where everything's on the table. Whatever it takes, I'm going to figure this out. It says that Paul began to abstain from food. Why did he do that? Because Paul understood what a lot of us don't understand, that our physical body has a voice. And it screams. It screams fear. It screams selfishness. It screams, you're going to die. It screams, (laughs) that's what my voice sounds like. It screams, and Paul said, I've got to quiet my, here's what Paul did not do. He did not say, God, where are you? He did not say, God, why have you stopped speaking? Paul said, I've got to quiet my flesh, my fears, my natural self, so that I actually can hear the voice of God. Paul did that because he understands how God speaks in a storm. I remember, reminded the prophet in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah, he was running for his life, and, and, and God says, come, I'm gonna meet with you. And here's what it says in verse 12. It says, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still Small voice. Leave that up. Verse 13. So, first he heard a wind, and God wasn't in the wind. Then there was an earthquake. Then there was a fire. And after the fire, Elijah heard a still small voice. So, it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Watch this. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here? Elijah. Now, if I was Elijah, I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm running for my life. I'm trying not to die and get killed. That's what I'm doing here. But here's what Elijah understood. That God doesn't yell and scream over our storms. He, 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 he's not going to raise his voice just because the enemy has raised his voice or cancer has raised his voice or, or discord in a relationship. God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to speak in a still, small voice. You guys know me I always say things I'm not supposed to say um that's a little annoying yeah you remember people that they just when well, they soft-spoken I'm not soft-spoken I, I I'm an introvert but I'm not soft-spoken why am I not soft-spoken because I come from a family of five and my parents were always taking in some random person so it felt like a family of 12 and if you're in a family of 12 soft-spoken means you starve because they forget that you're there. Like, did you get some food? I'd like some more, please. Nobody can hear you. We, God does not raise his voice in the midst of our story. And it's, it's like, God, I can't hear you. But you've got to think about it from a father's perspective. I, 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 I taught uh, this summer, I taught Zoe how to ride a bike. And um, boy, it was an adventure. My baby girl, Zoe, she's six years old. She's talented. She's gifted. She picked it up in like two weeks. But the two weeks that it took for her to pick it up, I mean, can we talk about drama? I got scratched. I got, I mean, just everything. And, and to be honest, she had some falls. I don't tell her mama that, but she, she, she has some brand new scars to show off. I remember one time she was riding her bike. We were actually, you know, I'm the type of dad. It's like, okay, you don't know how to ride a bike. Let's go out in the middle of the street. That was, that's where we learned. So we're out in the middle of the street riding her bike. And, and she gets to going down a hill in our neighborhood. And, and she loses control of the bike. And I'm running behind her. And she kind of wipes out. I caught her before, like, okay, I caught her on like, the second bounce. It's, and I mean, you had a, thought that she broke her neck. This child is screaming and hollering. She's And I grab her and I'm like, Zoe, Zoe. And I just keep saying her name. Why? Because if she's screaming and I'm screaming, I'm adding to her panic. I'm adding to her. I'm not trying to add. I'm trying to calm her down. I'm trying to convince her that she is okay. Why is it that God speaks to us in that still small? Because if he's screaming and you're screaming, we're all scared. God's like, no, 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 no. This storm didn't catch me off guard. This storm doesn't have. God is speaking in a still, small voice in the midst of your storm for two reasons. One, because he's trying to calm you down and two, because he's trying to get you to lean in. Any of y'all have no parents that would call your name and you'd be dumb enough to say what? Or maybe you were dumb but still respectful. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And nothing else came because I'm not shouting down these stairs. I'm not yelling over the television. I'm not, wait. And then here's where you knew you are about to die. When you're done, where they're acting like you, you on your time, No, no, what they were saying is what I have to tell you is so important. I'm going to wait for you to lean in so you don't. God is not being annoying when he responds in a still, small voice. He's saying the information that I have for you is so critical. It's worth fasting for. It's worth not eating. It's worth turning that TV off. It's worth not going out with your friends. Will you lean in in a new way? So you can hear something you've never heard before. Philippians chapter four, verse six is this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here it is. Paul leans in in a way that he had never leaned in before in that storm, and an angel shows up. Now, it's just me, not Paul. I don't think Paul was praying for an angelic visitation. I thought Paul was praying for God help, speak, what's going on? And little did Paul know that he was gonna have one of the most significant encounters. In his life. An angel shows up. He said, Paul, you're safe. Everybody around you is safe. Because God's got a plan for your future. And the plan that he has for your future does not include you drowning at sea. Yeah. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says this. Call to me and I will answer you. And tell you great, I love this words, and unsearchable things. Yeah that you do not know. Now, it's hard for me to understand something that's unsearchable because I've got Google. Ask me, "Eh, do you guys realize that over the last 10 years, because of the greatness of Google, I am a certified genius? There is not one question you can ask me. Who was the 17th president of America? Give me one second. Like, there is not one question that you could ask that you do not know. And God said, no, 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 no. There are certain mysteries about your life that Google can't answer. There's certain mysteries about your destiny and your future that you can't find out acquiring a PhD. You can get the best mentors in life. You can have friends that got your back. But there are certain things that can only be gotten from God when you lean into him. Oh, get in trouble. I think sometimes God lets the storm sit because he's trying to show us these unsearchable things. And he knows that there's no motivation to lean in when life is easy. There's something about having no other options that I've got to lean into God. And he's saying, I'm so glad you're here. There's something I've been trying to tell you. Second thing is this, write this down, write this down. Your life, your life has a must-to. Your life has a must-to. I just watched um, the movie King Richard with uh, Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams, and... um, my kids are in trouble after watching that movie. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you now. They're going to they gonna be great at doing something. I, I just, I just got give me a plan and a 73-page pamphlet. If you don't, if you don't know the story, Venus Serena Williams, uh, two of the greatest tennis players ever to walk the face of the earth. What I did not know prior to watching the movie is that Richard and his wife Brandy had a plan for their professional career before they were born. He he was watching television one day and saw a tennis star make $40,000 in one day, and he said, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I just need two children to live out my plan, but I've got my—and watch this. This man wrote a 73-page plan from birth to professional athletes of what the step and who their coaches would be and where would they train and this and that. All before they were born. Okay, maybe a little overbearing. Maybe a little extra. Maybe, but, you know, it's only crazy if it don't work, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they're two of the greatest athletes ever to walk with, now every is like, you know what? He got something going on there. Here's the thing that struck me. Because Venus arena had a 73-page plan before the day they were born, it never crossed their mind, I wonder what my future is going to look like. I, I wonder what I'm going to do with my life. No, it's right there in the booklet. I'm going to be the greatest tennis player there ever was. And you may say, hey, well, that plan wasn't guaranteed. But for a six-year-old girl, whatever her dad says, it is. And if dad said that's what's going to happen, there were seasons in their life where I'm sure they didn't understand the plan. And they're like, I don't know But they knew that there was a plan. And because they knew that there was a plan, there was a security in them. Psalm 139, 16 says this, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. We've got to remind ourselves that we serve a God that wrote down a plan for us before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. Here's what the writer said. God's plan for your life doesn't have 73 pages. There's so much detail in God's plan that the sand on the seashore, like, I'm not trying to be ignorant, but let's say you live What, to 97, 98? I'm being generous. 102. It's 102 years, 365 days every year. That's, I mean, you can count that number. No, no, no. God says, I've got so much detail for your life. I've got more details for your life than there's sand on the beach. Here's Paul in this storm. An angel speaks to him and he said, you must stand before Caesar. It's the will, it's the plan of God for your life. And because that's God's plan for your life, don't worry about, pass me a chair. I always mess people up because there's these random props. Here we go. We're gonna have a uh, random illustration. Okay. And then I'm gonna throw the chair off the platform, so be ready for it. So here's Paul. He's sitting in a storm. He's fasting, he's praying. An angel shows up, storm, I mean, raging around him. Angel shows up, Paul, God's got a future for you. God's got a plan. You must end up in front of, you must fulfill the will of God on your life. Paul's sitting there, I have a rhetorical question. What changed? Not a thing nothing changed. Waves are still crashing. Boat is still sinking. Storm is still raging. Soldiers outside are still talking about killing all the prisoners so they don't escape. He is still in the same city, but here's what changed his revelation of the future. And when he realized that God has a future for me on the other side of this storm, here's what somebody's got to catch this that because God's got a future for me on the other side of this storm I don't know how long this storm is going to take and I don't know when I'm going to get out of this storm I just know this is not the end of the story Because he's shown me something on the other side of this storm. And you may be overwhelmed by that doctor's diagnosis, by the pain in that relationship, or whatever, the job loss, whatever you're facing right now. But if you can just catch a glimpse that this is not where it ends. God's got purpose for me. God's got hope for me. God's got use for me on the other side of this storm. So if the storm goes longer, if the storm ends tomorrow, if a wave comes... It doesn't really matter because I know it doesn't end here. Let me not be insensitive. It doesn't make it easier. Doesn't make it less painful. But let's be real. It wasn't the difficulty of the storm that was the problem. It wasn't the pain in the storm that was the problem. It was the fact that I was losing hope. Because I did not know where this, here here is your hope. There is a must-to on your life. There is a must-to on your 2024, which means your story doesn't end in 2022. There's a must-to on the other side of this sickness, on the other side of this trial. Because God's got a plan for your life, it means that this storm can't take you Isaiah 55, 9 says this, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Take, take this chair. I'm, I'm going to go Bobby Knight on just throw the chair off the platform. So here, here's the, okay, I, I can shout about God's must too, right? God's got a plan. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you. God's got a great future for you. That, that's not a bad thing. Here's the problem. God's got a must-to for you, but, okay, I'm not going to talk about you. Yeah, I don't talk about me, but I've got a must-to for me. Here's, here's what we don't preach. Jeremiah 20 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Stephen 29 and 11. For Stephen knows the plans that I have for me. I mean, and here's what I've learned about my plans. My plans don't get through storms. My plans aren't guaranteed, and here's why. Because my plans are based on my limited ability. My plans are based on my limited intellect. My plans are based on what I can see around me right now, but Come on now, if you've lived longer than three weeks, you know what you see changes. So if I'm in the middle of a storm, but I refuse to let go of my plans, What what, what did Paul say? Paul said, hey, we are going to be saved because there's a must-to in my life. And by the way, if you don't have a must-to, just make sure you're hanging out with somebody who does. Because God will make sure that you make it to the end just because you're in the right company. Paul said, he's going to give me my life and everybody around me because I must preach before. But watch this. But the ship won't make it. And because they got a word from, watch this, they started throwing product overboard that they were planning on selling where they got to. But what, they changed their plans because they realized that they weren't gonna get through this storm holding onto their plans and God's plan at the same time. It's some, there's something about a storm that's like an audit. Let me figure, what of this inventory Cannot go into this next season. That, and, and God will take you through seasons of life sometimes where you're like, man, I wanted to accomplish this. That would have been nice, but evidently that's, that's not what God had for me. Now, It's not, not saying don't have plans. The Bible said man makes plans and God, or have your plans. But hold your plans like this. Saying, God, if my plans are not in alignment with your plans, God, I'll take your plan any day of we, Acts twenty eight three. By the way, you ever read the Bible and just thought, I'm so glad I'm not in it. <laughs> Cause boy, these people were used by God in a great way, but they went through some stuff. Acts twenty eight three says this. But when Paul had gathered a bundles of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Paul, in a shipwreck, grabs a piece of broken wood, gets to the shore by the skin of, nearly loses his, <laughs> if I was wild, I'd jump on the floor and start crawling like I was on a beach. He, he, he's rescued, yeah. saved, starts building a fire and a poisonous snake. Here's what the people said. They said, surely God hates him. All the people from the island of Malta. they said, that has to be that God hates him. Because if the shipwreck didn't kill him, God was going to make sure that he was punished for whatever he did wrong. That's why this, here's the thing. Your faith has to be strong. Because if your faith is not strong, you will mistake the attack of the enemy for the judgment of God. And you'll begin to say, oh, God's mad at me. I've done something wrong. God's abandoned me. God, where are you? No, but when your faith is strong, you do what Paul did in Acts chapter 28, verse five. He said, but he shook, come on, where's my T-Swift fan? Shake no, calm down. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. When I know that there is a must to ahead of me, that there's a plan that God has for me, things that are taking other people out, I just... Was it brief? Stretch? Shake. <laughs> we can't finish the message without a little bit of lesson. You've got to learn to shake it. If I had time to preach, Sheldon, Go for it. when did the snake come? When the fire started to get hot. What fire? The fire that Paul was building. And what did Paul do? He took the attack of the enemy and he shook it off into the fire. The fire represents the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to understand that if I start building myself up in the presence and power of God, that the enemy is going to attack. But the exact same thing that caused him to attack because he's intimidated about what God is doing in my life is the exact same power that I have the ability to shake off his attack into the fire. You've got to understand that when the enemy comes, that God will raise up a standard against... Come on, just... Just, I wish I could dance because I'd be like... Just shake it off. No, 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 no. And you know, sometimes you can say stuff in church that sounds, oh, shake it off. (laughs) No, what does that mean? That means I'm a praying to the spirit. That means I'm gonna decree and declare what God's Word says about me. That means I'm gonna build my faith up and understand that greater is the Holy Spirit that is inside of me than anything. That means I'm gonna do what David said. I'm gonna encourage myself in the presence of the Lord because this label that's attached to me, this sickness that's attached to me, this attack of the enemy does not have authority to cancel what God is doing in my life because there is a must-to on my life. Write this down. I know we're early. Play and I'll stop. I promise. Point number three says this. Your life is a catalyst. Here's what. Okay, this is just me. I don't want to, I don't want to superimpose my own issues on you. Maybe you ain't like this. Maybe it's just me. When I go through a storm, my natural inclination is to withdraw into myself. It's, it's you know, life, be lifing. And sometimes, I, you ever felt like you don't want to be that friend that always got something going on? And it's like, I called this person last time, there was a storm, and... They haven't called me with their storms, so I don't want to be the one to have two storms in a row. Because then you become that friend, you know, you stormy now, and I got to suffer. It's just, it's just it's that insecurity that God's working out of me. I, I, I just have this natural inclination that when I'm going through a storm, to let me. I'm going to come back outside. You know, I know outside's open. I'm going to come back outside when I get through this. But I'm going to... Maybe you find yourself in that place right now where you've just kind of... That's a pandemic thing. Everybody kind of ran into their houses. And some people, you haven't been able to get back out. You're, you're, I mean, I'm outside physically, but I'm still locked. I haven't opened my life up. Here's what blew my mind. In verse 24 of Acts 27, it says this. The angel talking to Paul, he said, do not be afraid. There's a must on you. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Paul wasn't praying about them. I mean, they the not want to try kill me. They're the ones that are taking me as a slave to Rome. I'm not, if I'm Paul, that's why I'm not Paul. If I was Paul, God, you can do whatever you want to do with them. If you want to lead them out here in the ocean, that's perfectly fine with, no. Here's what the angel was saying. That Paul, your you must doesn't just affect you. But there's people around you that are going to be saved because of what God is doing in your life. And not just saved as in going to heaven saved, but saved out of their hopelessness, saved out of their storm, saved out of their sin, just by watching what you're going through. And, and here's what it struck me, that as I'm going through this storm, God is using my life as a billboard to people around me, and that as I'm coming out, they're coming out with me. I can't afford to run. I can't afford to hide because there's other people that have to see me traverse this storm so that they can traverse their storm. As What did Paul do? He came out of that encounter with the angel. said, hey, there's a you must on my life. Have hope. Paul's story gave other people hope. What, what did he say? He said, hey, begin to throw things overboard. The ship is gonna be destroyed. They began to make godly decisions in their life. Just by being around somebody that had a you must, ultimately they were saved. Because they were around somebody that had a you must. I'm not talking about you, just talking about me. When I hit a storm, I get selfish. When I hit a storm, I don't really got time to be praying about nobody else's situation. God, this guy, get me out. God says, you've already been taken out there's future on the other side for you. And now that you understand that there's a future on the other side for you, start looking around to see who else I've put you there to bring out with you. So Paul washes up on the shore, snake shakes it into the fire. (laughs) I'm not going to preach about your haters, but the same people that were like, God must hate him. That's why the snake bit him when he shook the snake off and then all of a sudden they started bringing their sick to Paul. And he went from God hates him to God's on him. Don't let people interpret your storm for you because they have no idea what God is doing in your life. And watch this. A healing revival broke out on the island of Malta that Paul should have never been on if there was not a storm. The Bible says that the governor of that island, that his father was sick and that as Paul healed his father through the power of God, that everybody in that city be and a healing revival. God didn't cause the storm, but since there was a storm, he said, why don't I just advance my kingdom as a result of the detour that you're on? All things work together for the good of those who are called according to him. Here's what we've got to do. I got to find God's peace in the storm. And in its peace, I'm gonna realize that there's a must to on my life. This storm is not the end of my story. But here's a piece that so many people miss. While I'm in the storm, God, what's what's the detour that you're gonna use? They, they call it a monkey wrench. I didn't see this coming. But since I'm here, God, there's gonna be miracles here. Since I'm here, there's going to be breakthrough here. Since I'm here, your kingdom is going to be advanced because I don't know how long your storm is going to last. But I do know this storm does not have the authority to take you out because there's a must to on the other side. Here's my challenge for you. Will you look around? It's not what I planned. It's not the island that I wanted to wash up on. Since I'm here. Since I'm here. I didn't want to be in this hospital, but I'm here. So, who needs to get healed while I wait for my healing? I, 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 didn't, I didn't plan to be here, but since I'm here, who can I encourage? I didn't, I didn't plan to be. But start looking around. For what's the detour that God And watch miracles break out in a place that you never intended to be in. But God is going to use. For his glory. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that you're our peace in the storm. I love how the scripture says when the four Hebrew boys were thrown in the fire, God, that you stepped right in there with them. God, in this moment, God, you're bringing peace to every single person to know that you are the God that is in our storm with us. There's a must to on our lives. Just where you are. Can you can you pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And I think as you lean into God's presence, he's going to show you that there's a must-to in your life. It's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a vision that he has for you. But more importantly, for some of you, God's going to show you, you can't make it through this storm without me. Maybe you, 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 your walk your Christianity is kind of like mine was I've been in church my entire life but for early parts of my life I knew church I just didn't know the God of the church or maybe you're just scrolling and just kind of stumbled on this and you had no idea that God has a desire to be with you to know you to walk with you but now you know how you're gonna act God wants to be the center of your life God needs to be the center of the life but it's your decision You say, Pastor, if I'd be honest, I can't say that that my life is where it needs to be with God. I need to come back or I need to start a relationship with him. If that's you, you can open your heart to God. You can make that decision right now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being the God that is over my storm. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased in this moment. I give you all of me. I lay down my plans for yours. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you put your hands together? Can you celebrate for every single person? Come on, type it in the chat. Say, man, I prayed that prayer. I surrendered my life to Christ. I could not be more proud of you. That's why we exist as a church. I don't know the storm that you're going through, but I know it's not the end of your story. I know God has so much more for you.